How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, Disney files. Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to elders past and present. Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. But on this show, we'll be breaking each Disney classic down. Hello, hello, welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I'm Link. No, I'm Will. And on this show, we break down each Disney classic song by song in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? You know, Stackers, when we set out on this journey, some people said we were insane. Now that we are most of the way along, I can confidently say we are. We are insane. (laughs) Oh, boy. But Uh, we're nearing the end. We're nearing the end of what we've sort of unofficially, I guess, went in speaking to each other, come to know as season one. Yeah. I remember when we started, Encanto had just been announced. Yeah. Yeah. No, it had. And I think- I think they'd announced Lynn, but I don't think that there would there had not been any trailers, there'd been nothing. No, and it was a very vague poster, which I still have in our spreadsheet. Because yeah. in our spreadsheet that no one sees, I have all of the posters yeah. and Encanto is just kind of like a door. Yeah. Like a dark door with like a flower or something. <laughs> it's very <laughs> nondescript. What a time. Um, but I just remember thinking, oh yeah, so by the time we get there, there'll be that and probably one other. Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong. But we're getting, we are getting to the end and we've got some pretty good ones all the way up until the end, I think. I don't think we've got another absolute stinker, even if your thoughts on Frozen 2 are a little bit sort of, you know. Uh, no, I stand. I stand Frozen 2. Frozen, Frozen 1, meh, but Frozen 2, ah. Oh. Yeah, okay. So anyone, I reckon anyone who's seen the making of Frozen 2 would agree with me. It just changes your world. Okay, well, maybe I need to watch that thing. So I do remember sort of uh, thinking it was a bit more of a mess than Frozen 1. Not necessarily bad, but just a bit sort of like, ooh, okay, that seemed a bit all over the shop. Yeah, no, I'll I'll make sure before we do that episode you watch the making of because you'll I'll see you and you'll mm. you'll be like oh my god it's amazing all right best film ever will yeah. do will do <laughs> um, what have you been up to stackers what's been going on well I had a really lovely experience last week oh hello yeah I was at the Royal Melbourne show okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe it was the week before, but either way, I went to the Royal Melbourne show and I took my mum. Yep. And uh, we were coming out of the show pavilion mm. and I heard stackers. And I looked around and I thought, who, who's here? And in front of me was someone that I went to high school with. He was two years above me that I think 
I haven't seen, I think I saw him once, maybe two years after we graduated because we did some like alumni concert together. Yeah. But so we're going back a fair way. I'm not going to say how long because <laughs> I'm so much older than I want to recognize. But um, it was him and he said, I love your podcast. Hey. So, hey, Regs. That's, that's really lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just, I was so, I, it, I don't think people realize unless you do a podcast how much that means yeah. to hear that, especially from just sort of people that you don't speak to all the time. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I demand Tim listens to it basically. But uh, for people that just do it by choice, mm. thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> thank you. It, it, it's yeah, interesting because we do see like stats. We see, you know, you know, uh, like 40 people have listened to this episode or something like that. But it doesn't tell us who. And so I don't, you know, I don't go to all my friends and say, are you listening to my damn show or something? But when people <laughs> are listening and they do say something or they reference something that was said or something like that, it is a nice feeling. And it um, it happens, you know, not to not to name drop my other podcast, but with Tabletop Unknown, like just <laughs> today, someone sent a message into our D&D group that it, like was about the current season that that is being done. And I was like, that's really nice that I didn't realize that she listened. So, you know, mm. yeah, it is a nice feeling. Absolutely. If Will and I were more organised, we'd have some sort of like mailbox or something go on. But like seriously, mm. it's hard enough to just keep up with putting like one post on social media a month. So um. <laughs> we, we do have an email address. If you want to contact us, you can at DDDSW. At, oh, actually, now I don't know what the email address <laughs> is. I'm not In confident. The, what's even more hilarious is there's actually two of them because Will and I both created one without telling each other. That's I don't right, even have the password did. for that one that I, I, I created. You know it's not even in my list of email addresses I'm logged into, <laughs> yeah, so I have no idea. <laughs> so if people have emailed us, yeah. please don't be upset we didn't reply. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> just that we are very chaotic people. <laughs> I imagine if we do attempt to get into either of those inboxes, it'll just be full of spam yeah. or stuff yeah. like, welcome to your Gmail. <laughs> just a reminder, do you need to know how to use your Gmail? <laughs> yeah, so you haven't logged in in 400 days. <laughs> <laughs> Are you alive? <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a, uh, a pleasant experience at the Melbourne show because I went to the Melbourne show on the same day as every other person in the Melbourne metropolitan region. So You did. I went the day after you. Oh, okay. It was much, much smarter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that first... <laughs> public holiday or the public holiday that didn't wasn't intended to be a public holiday sadly we lost uh or you know maybe not sadly however <laughs> your feelings are but we lost queen elizabeth and um australia decided to have a public holiday on that first day of the show and yeah it, it was bananas it was we decided <laughs> to um take our daughter as well and so we're with a pram there's 400 million people trying to get through the gates it was chaos it was the Wow. Most extreme experience of my life. <laughs> I hated every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, you know, it was the show, whatever. Yeah, yeah. cool. But uh, I guess we're not here to dissect the latest attractions down here in good old Melbourne. Absolutely not. Particularly if you're listening to this in like four years on a, you know, March 23rd. You'll be like, what the or hell is Melbourne Particularly if you're show? listening to this from like New Zealand. No, yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> we do have an American listener, at least one. So she'll just, yeah. she won't have any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> apologies. It's like apologies. Disneyland. But like but nothing up. like Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
It's like Disneyland if Disneyland took hard drugs but <laughs> during its teenage years. Like, and now it's in remission? Yeah, yeah. that's... <laughs> But no, you're right. We're not here to dissect uh, shoddy Melbourne sideshows. We are here to d- dissect the princess, the princess and, and the, the frog. frog. <laughs> I love how you, you try and catch up with I me. And in post, I literally like just cut it and manually move it so it sounds like oh, no. we were in time because obviously when we're, we're separately there's a lag yeah. behind the <laughs> curtain I try and back you up and you you by yourself are like the princess <laughs> <laughs> I make no apologies <laughs> <laughs> oh, so for context sake I'm just going to leave that explanation there yeah. alright <laughs> <laughs> oh boy princess and the frog um, I think I've mentioned a few times I'd never seen this movie before and, and I'm so excited to hear what you thought. I really, really liked it. Hey. Um, there's a lot to like about this movie. Um, I yeah, like the the main characters are great. The 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 secondary characters are great. It's just really, really delightful. Um, and I found myself tearing up twice. Um, twice. Twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first time, uh, obviously, spoilers for. Um, <laughs> Spoilers. If spoilers. you haven't watched The Princess of Rogue, you haven't listened to our podcast, you don't know what we do. <laughs> We're going to talk about <laughs> it. Uh, the first time was when uh, there was the time skip and she was an adult and you realised that her dad had been killed in the war. I'm assuming it's World War One. Well, at least that's the implication I took from it. So she was she was talking to a photo of her dad who was mm. dressed in a uniform. And he's a military uniform, yeah. yeah. So presumably I, I'm gathering from the time period roughly that I could picture that it was World War I. Um, um, yep. So that that was the first time, and I think that's just because I'm a big old sap now that I'm a dad. So, um, <laughs> And then the second time was uh, when uh, – oh, shit. Ray. What, sorry. When, yeah, when Ray. Ray's a star appears in the sky. Not so much, oh, my goodness. Not, not so much when he passed away, but when his star appears in the sky next to Evangeline, I was just like, oh, Jesus, okay. Yep, I'm out. <laughs> Done. I was bawling. Done. Tim was nicely massaging my arm <laughs> as I pretend that I'm not losing it yeah, next to yeah. him. <laughs> but what a, what a fun little character Jim Cummings played there. Um, just mm. just a really, really fun little little side character that just has a lot of heart and, yeah, gets you, gets you hard because it's such a non-event, his, his death. It's not, um, it's not, there's no, like, musical sting. There's no tension in terms of that. It's just Vasilio walks up to him, you see his foot appear above him and then it hits on his face and you just hear the crunch and it's just like, Oh. And then it moves on really yeah. fast. Yeah. And then you don't come back to that for probably like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And you can't, it, it kind of like deceives you into thinking, oh, maybe you'll be right. Because like if you think of the start of the movie when mm, Tiana meets, what's his name, Prince Naveen yeah. in frog form, yeah. she smacks him with a book like twice. Yeah. <laughs> And squashes him. Yeah. And he survives. Yeah. So, so there's no reason last, to think. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason to think that Ray would die. And so then to have that, I can't even remember what happens in between. There's something just a, about it's the chasing. Um, the prince the becomes prince. The, the other dude again. Yeah. Whatever his name. What is that guy's name? Um, uh, great question. I've got the list in front of me. It is. is it Lawrence? Uh, Peter Bartlett. 
It's the only name that looks like it would match that dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lawrence, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think anyway, yeah, and then just to come back and it's basically, the, oh, no, you see him first and then the funeral and, like, mm. the little grandma bug with her little walker yeah, is going. Yeah. yeah, it is a stunning, stunning sequence. Yeah. And it's just so nice to know that, you know, his wild fantasy was right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It is. It's um it's a it's a yeah. Great movie. Really, really solid movie. I can see why everyone likes it. I can see why my brother likes it. My brother loves this movie. He um he sat me down uh before maybe two weeks ago and he's like, now I need to know what you're gonna give the scores for this. Cause in my mind there's like five flat fives. And I was like, <laughs> don't know about that. Don't know about that. But there's it's got it's got good music. <laughs> Five flat fives. Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, five out of eight. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so just uh, a really, really solid movie. Had You'd seen yeah. it before, hadn't you? Yeah, I saw this in the cinema when it came out. Yeah. Actually, I must say I cried twice because I cried when it started. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep. When the, when the star appeared and you hear that little um, prologue, yeah. I, I guess the best way to describe it. The evening star is shining bright. So make a wish and hold on tight. I, yeah, I got really sentimental and emotional because uh, I just remember, I remember sitting in the cinema watching that. I don't remember sitting in the cinema watching The Lion King. Yeah. But to see sort of old school Disney, inverted commas, mm. on the screen, yeah, it was just it was really special at the time and it felt really special when I yeah. when I watched it again. I've watched it a few times though and I yeah, I really really enjoy this movie. I wouldn't say everyone likes it. This caused some huge controversy within the uh black community. Yeah. Uh which we'll get to just about the way about the way that Disney has handled race. Yeah. And uh, I will say that we did attempt to get a guest on this podcast, similarly the way that we did for Milan. However, Will nor I are familiar with anyone that is African-American yeah. in our friendship or circle. Or was available. So, we asked a couple of people. Or was available, yes. Yeah, yeah, so. couldn't, couldn't make it work, unfortunately. So, yeah. yeah. So um, I'll basically uh, provide, uh, you know, the, the opinions that I have heard yeah. and researched. Yeah. However, um Obviously, neither Will or I can give our own personal. No, absolutely, um, and you should. You should. There's definitely resources out there where you can find that sort of thing. So we're not going to yeah. harp on too much about it. Um, but no. Yeah. And if you if you are interested, I strongly recommend heading over to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Mm. It's one of their very very early episodes. So scroll to the bottom. They've got a really great episode on on this uh, mm. on this movie. Uh, okay, so before we dive in, Will, do we have a drink? We do. For today's cocktail, I had a lot of think thought about it because usually I like to adapt a cocktail or try and make something up that is themed to the um, the movie in some way. Um, however, because this movie is very much a movie about New Orleans and sort of Louisiana in general, I decided to go with a classic cocktail that was made in New Orleans. So it's not necessarily themed, but it did find its it's it was created in New Orleans. 
Orleans and it is considered like one of the classic cocktails. And if you had know anything about classic cocktails, you will have heard of the Sazerac. So the Sazerac is kind of similar to an old-fashioned, if you've ever had an old-fashioned. Um, essentially, you've got some rye whiskey, some cognac, uh, some absinthe, which uh, is kind of like a herbal liqueur. If you've not heard of absinthe, it's pretty easily available. And you've also got a sugar cube and some dashes of bitters there as well. In a glass, you're going to place the sugar cube and you're going to dash three to four dashes of bitters on top of that sugar cube. Now, the recipe calls for Peychaud bitters and a lot of purists say that you must use Peychaud bitter bitters. However, that's not really easily available in Australia, so um, Angostura bitters is a fine substitute. Uh, it's not perfect, but it is, it's fine. <laughs> I can see the face you're making. <laughs> what have I done? Uh, just because we're really into bitters here. Yeah. So we've got like five kinds of bitters and Tim makes his own bitters as well. Hey, yep. We have Peshaw bitters. Hey, there there is go. an excellent bitters store in somewhere that I will look up and mention after we finish this segment. So as you were. So you're going to start off, yeah, sugar cube and your bitters in the glass and you're going to muddle that together. So just grab like a rolling pin if you don't have a muddler or something and just crush up the sugar cube to sort of coat the, the sugar in the bitters, essentially. When you've uh, done that, you're going to add in... 45 mils of cognac and 30 mils of rye whiskey and then just one sort of like teaspoon of absinthe. Um, so not a lot, just a, just a very small amount of absinthe into the glass and you're going to throw in a big old ice cube as well. You're then just going to stir it until it's cold and you're going to garnish it with a lemon twist and that is the Sazerac. Yum, yum, yum. So Peshad Bitters actually is pretty common. It's probably the second most common to Angostura. You can get it in Dan Murphy's if you're looking for it. It's oh, got really? like an okay. old, yeah, it's got like, um, I was going to say an old school paper label, but so does Angostura <laughs> Bitters. But yeah, it's like that, but a bigger bottle. Yep. But if you are interested in getting some really cool bitters and you're in Melbourne, I highly recommend the Bitters Lab in Fitzroy. Yeah, nice. It is super cool and has more bitters and cocktail ingredients that you can poke a stick at. So if you want to jazz up your drinks cabinet, mm. uh, head on down there. And yes, we would appreciate a sponsorship. Okay, thanks. <laughs> bye. I, uh, during lockdown 2020, I bought uh, a couple of different types of bitters from a pl uh, another place similar to, to Bitters Lab, but um, just another another uh, website. And I got like chocolate bitters and uh, mm. lavender bitters. And the chocolate bitters are really nice. Like it doesn't taste like chocolate, but you just – no. Add it to something like an old fashioned. It just gives us this, this like little uh, warming, like something, something. It's just really, really nice. So a good bitters goes a long way. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of speaking on behalf of Tim here, yeah. but he explains it as every time you go to a cocktail bar, everything tastes just that bit much better than when you'd mm. make it at home. Yeah. And the difference is really bitters. Yeah. And it's the bitters that they use. Yeah. And you can do it yourself. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that's the Sazerac. Enjoy. Woo! All right. Let's jump into some stats. Stats, 
The year is 2009. What? It feels very recent when we uh, talk about 2009, but it Especially was 13 years we ago. Especially because we just in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit sort of mind-blowing, that 10-year gap. Yes, it is, because mm. we are now officially, officially, we are now efficient. oh my God, I can't say it. We are now officially mm-hmm. in the new renaissance. Okay, so we're all familiar with the Renaissance. That's when The Little Mermaid came out and all those other ones. Mm -hmm. That went from 1989 to 1999. Yeah. Then we've got the Millennial Era, Mm -hmm. which has all your movies like Fantasia 2000, Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch, Chicken Little, Bolt. If you want the full list, just go back an episode and I read them all out in order. Uh, So that goes out from 1999 until 2008. Then the new renaissance is kicked off with The Princess and the Frog, mm-hmm. and that's when we start to see the movie musical come back in animated Disney. Now, I said something really stupid last episode that I'd just like to clarify, uh-huh. and I said it so many times, I can't believe you didn't correct me. I said, oh, they stopped doing hand-drawn movies because animation got way more popular, so they started just doing animated movies. Uh-huh. I meant com- computer-generated animated movies. Well, I did not. Uh, you know what? I didn't pick up on it. I'm sorry. I said it like four times. <laughs> so for anyone who's confused, yes, the movies have always been animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's, but <laughs> I just it, meant it, CGI. It's true, though, because, like, Disney is trying some really weird stuff in there in that sort of 10-year gap, which um, we are planning on talking about some of those over on Patreon. So if you want to yeah. join that conversation, patreon.com slash Disney. Uh, where you can get access. We know y'all hanging for the Emperor's New Groove. Well, yeah, those are the. Th- we're going to talk about three in particular: <laughs> Treasure Planet, the Emperor's New Groove, and Chicken Little. Um, so yeah, join us over on Patreon.com/slash Dissecting Disney. Okay, so this we're back to one person doing all the music. So the music, lyrics, and score mm. are all penned by Randy Newman, the man. The man. I really like Randy Newman. I really do too. He's got a very distinct style and I don't think I've always liked him, but as I've sort of gotten a bit older, I think I've just come to appreciate him more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a really incredible songwriter and people make stun- make stun. People <laughs> make fun of his voice and that's fine. He does have a real interesting voice. It's very distinct. Short people got no if you have a listen to his album Dark Matter, it is just incredible song writing and there's just incredible songs on there. There's a really, really sad song called Wandering Boy that he wrote about his son. There's a really beautiful song called She Chose Me. There's a really sad one called Lost Without You. And let's not forget that he penned When She Loved Me mm. from Toy Story 2, which you all love, yeah. okay? Yeah. You all love that song. When somebody loved me Everything was beautiful Every hour we spent together Lives within my heart Interesting choice for this movie. He was uh, chosen because his mother is from New Orleans. Okay, yep. And he he kind of has that sort of honky-tonky writing style mm. in his veins. Bit jazzy, bit, uh, bit honky-tonk, yeah. Yeah, so they were originally going to go with Alan Menken, who hasn't done a movie with them in a couple of years. Mm. However, 
at the same time as this being made, Enchanted was being made. Right, yeah, okay. And they were a bit worried that they'd end up being really similar mm. films musically, so they went with Randy Newman. Yeah. The weird kind of thing is, I guess, that this movie was marketed as the first black princess. Mm. And they got a white guy to write the music. Yeah, and, and that's sort of the the shame is like the the the, the directors Musker and Clements they uh, they've come up before. They are both white dudes as well. Um, I'm pretty sure the producers are both white dudes. Like it's just yeah, it's it's just missing that diverse voice. Like his his experiences growing up in Louisiana would be very different. Very different to say uh, Tiana's. Like it, it just very different experiences. Especially in 1920. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. (laughs) Which Disney beautifully glosses over, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Back to the stats. In the cast, we have Anika Noni Rose as Tiana, Bruno Campos as Prince Naveen, Keith David as Dr. Facilier. So good. Michael Leon Woolley as Louis, Jim Cummings as Ray, Jennifer Cody as Charlotte, uh, John Goodman as Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Big Daddy. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, Jennifer Lewis as Mama Odie. Peter Bartlett as Lawrence. Oprah Winfrey makes an appearance in here as Eudora. Yep. And uh, it wouldn't be a Disney movie without Frank Welker, who plays Stella the dog. <laughs> the dog that, like, chases him out of the party. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you can talk. Yeah, yeah. that's him. <laughs> Old and now that, I think about, now that I think about it, is that the only time Frank Welker's said Words? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, songs that you may recognise, most likely it's Almost There, mm. which became the big hit out of this movie. It's one that I have heard a lot in singing lessons. I've also taught. It's on the Amy B syllabus down in Australia. Mm-hmm. Very, very popular song. Nothing else I would say is a huge hit. Perhaps Friends on the Other Side. Mm which is a pretty, I would say, popular villain song, Mm. although when I say popular, I'm kind of referring to about 10 seconds of it, but we'll get back to it when we get to the song. (laughs) Uh, When it comes to awards. So this movie was nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Animated Feature Mm -hmm. and actually, and two nominations for Best Original Song. What were the songs that were nominated? Uh, it's going to be uh, Almost There. Yes. And Down in New Orleans. Correct. Yeah. All right. There we go. Yeah. They both lost to a song that I have never heard of. I don't know if you have. It's called The Weary Kind. It was from uh, a movie called Crazy Heart. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. Have a listen. Your heart's on the loose. You rolled them sevens with nothing to lose. This ain't no place for the weary kind. It's actually really refreshing to hear something like that win. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of country music in general, but when you get something like that that's quite melancholic and um, and and uh, sort of you can tell it's from the heart, I guess, it, it's really, really, mm. really lovely. Another one that comes to mind is um, uh, Hurt by 
Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Yeah, um, just that same sort of vibe. You know, it's really melancholic, really sort of contemplative. Um, mm. Yeah, I have heard of that movie. I know that it was like Jeff Bridges' sort of transition into older grizzled characters. He's always been a bit grizzled, but like older characters. Um, yeah. So I do remember that movie coming out. I didn't remember the song and I didn't remember it when you said the name, but looking at the poster, <laughs> I definitely do remember that. So it didn't win Best Animated Feature. It wasn't even nominated for Best Original Score. Now, the film that did win both of those awards was the same film. What movie was it? Got Best Animated Feature and Best Original Score. Okay. It's 2009. It's going to be a Pixar. Ding, ding. And it is either Up or Wally. Make your choice. Fuck. Wally? Ba-bow. Ah, shit. It was up. The incredible score by Michael Giacchino, who can make you cry with, like, one bar of music. Yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's, speaking of, like, things wrecking you, that opening <laughs> ten minutes of that movie fucking brutalises you from start to finish. I, I watched that film, little side note, uh, I was hanging out with a friend. We'd had a big night. We mm. had drunk quite a lot of alcohol. I would have, I would have been in my early 20s. Yeah. And we decided to basically pull an all-nighter and it would have been about the 3 a.m. mark when we decided yeah. to watch Up. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, being intoxicated and very tired yeah. <laughs> and watching Up for the first time, <laughs> knowing nothing about the movie was a... Hilariously terrible choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to see it with um, someone I was dating at the time and I was like, this is going to be a great time. Like, uh, this, you know, the last movie was hilarious and then you get, <laughs> you get in there and you're like, oh, this is nice, this is fun, and then you're like, oh, no, this isn't a fun time anymore. This is sad. <laughs> movie i think really good movie yeah, yeah. I, I we're talking about up oh aren't we yeah. yeah 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 really really beautiful movie just a master class in emotion and how mm. to evoke emotion with yeah. no dialogue and just stunning visuals in that film like the oh. the the balloons all coming out of the house is just i'll remember so that iconic. forever i think yeah yeah so iconic so, yeah, and it also, I think it was nominated at the Golden Globes for Best Animated Picture as well and also lost to Up. Nothing really yeah. stood a chance against, against no, that. just a juggernaut as Pixar was in the 2000s. Yeah. Mm. So uh, for those of you who have not seen this movie, this movie was marketed as the first Black Disney princess movie. It's about a, a woman named Tiana who grows up with the dreams of running a restaurant. And mm. ever since she was a little girl, she's constantly been reminded she's black and therefore she is poor. And so yeah. this <laughs> black poor woman grows up black and poor and then when she saves up the money, they're like, sorry, but you're black and poor. And uh, then she becomes mm. a frog and then she falls in love apparently, and then <laughs> she gets a restaurant at the end of it. I have so many issues with just little details in this storyline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
But uh, we'll discuss that as we go through it, I think, yeah, rather than yeah. me just rant about my feelings about the arc <laughs> of this story. <laughs> but it is based on an original story. Now, the the princess and the frog, I think it may have mm. co- been called the frog princess, I can't remember, is a quite an old story. Mm-hmm. Classic princess meets a frog, kisses the frog, he turns into a prince, the end. This, however, is based on much more recent material. Yep. Which I have summarised, inverted commas, apology, this is a really freaking long summary, Uh, and Will is now going to read to you. Over to you, Will, for the weather. The Frog Princess is written by E.D. Baker and was first published in 2002. When the movie says it is loosely based on this 234-page novel, it means it. (laughs) Unfortunately, being a princess doesn't automatically make a girl graceful or confident, a fact that I have lamented for most of my 14 years. The young princess makes her way down to a swamp, scaring away all of the crickets and mosquitoes. A disgruntled frog calls her over to air his grievances about missing out on a lunch, and once he realises she is a princess, asks for a kiss. The princess laughs like a donkey at the thought, leading to the prince bribing with all sorts of promises, including that kissing a frog is good luck and it's good for one's complexion. The princess is not having a bar of it, giving him all sorts of sass. She basically tells him to sod off, even after he claims to be a prince under the curse of an evil witch. She storms off saying, I don't care if it's the end of the world as we know it. I have better things to do than listen to unreasonable requests from a frog. Good day. This princess is a girl boss and I love her. Chapter reveals that the princess is named Esmeralda. Hey, that's uh, that's familiar. And uh, she has an aunt known as the Green Witch, Aunt Gracina. <laughs> the Green Witch named Gracina. Uh, oh my god, I just got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is uh, desperate to train Esmeralda to be a witch as well, but Esmeralda won't have a bar of it. Basically, dear old Ezzy sucks at life and doesn't want to cause catastrophes with magic. Esmeralda questions her aunt about the frog in the swamp, claiming he's a prince and asking for a kiss. Aunt Christina explains that when she was a young lass, she used to go hunting in all of the swamps looking for frogs to kiss as it was the only way to find a date. She was once engaged to be married to some guy named Haywood, but her mother disapproved and turned him into an amphibian. I'm already (laughs) so lost in this. The next day, as he stumbles upon the same demanding frog, who now introduces himself as Prince Edric of Upper Montevista, as he tells him to prove it and saunters off again. When she arrives home, her mother announces that Esmeralda is to marry Prince George at the end of the summer. Ezzy hates George, as he's, uh, uh, so she's pretty upset. The Queen tells her to be grateful that anyone wants to marry her awkward ass at all. <laughs> really loving uh, relationship they have going there. Desperate for someone to talk to, Esmeralda resorts to talking to the frog in the swamp. He's stunned that the self-absorbed and obviously gay Prince George wants to marry any lady. In a I'd rather marry a frog than Prince George moment of teenage defiance, she puckers up and kisses the frog. And hey presto, we have a frog princess. What follows is pretty cute. Edric teaches an initially very upset Esmeralda how to be a frog, what to eat, what to how to swim, etc. She asks that he call her Emma uh, because Esmeralda is too fancy for a frog. 
Edric explains that her aunt Christina can't help because a spell can only be undone by the witch that cast the spell in the first place. He doesn't want to go to any castles due to a fear of big cats, dogs and gardeners, so he makes her drop the topic of transformation for now. Uh, the two frogs head down to some sort of frog concert where lots of frogs are singing frog songs. A snake comes along and starts a massacre. It's a bit graphic. Edric <laughs> keeps pestering Emma to kiss him again, but she keeps saying no. Seeing Emma's distress, Edric explains that the witch who cursed him collects plants every full moon from a certain location. Unsure if she will help or even be there, he promises that they will visit uh, because, of course, the next full moon is in two days' time. Off on an adventure, the frogs set out towards the witch. Along the way, Edric explains that the night he was cursed, he was attempting to court a princess. He was on the hunt for some meadwort. The legend was that if you picked it at midnight on a full moon, then boiled it, the face of your true love would appear. Convinced he was her true love, he went looking for the plant, but bumped into an old and ugly witch, commenting, bitch, you ugly and you smell like fish, led to this arrogant ass being transformed into a toad. A few weeks into Frogdom, he was nearly run over by his beloved's wedding cart. As he laughs at him for being a total moron for falling for the bullshit story about the magical properties of the plant, and they eventually <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a toxic relationship. I don't know. Yeah, this um, is a really fun read. Like, it's ultimate teen fiction. I love it. Continue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the witch has appeared, and dear Lord, this is only one quarter of the way through the book. After demanding they be turned back, the witch scoops them up, leading to Edric realising that this is a different witch. She throws them into a bag and trottles off. Whilst they're in the bag, once again, Edric transforms this situation into an excuse to make out. <laughs> as uh, I silently scream what part of no do you not understand over and over they make it to the witch's castle after asking her what she plans to do with no response Edric thinks it wise to just start insulting the witch loudly about how ugly she is Emma is furious about being stuck in this situation with a class A moron who is now consuming a clearly poisoned worm that the witch just fed them in the cage this guy's just so self-destructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's him. horrible. <laughs> he is horrible. The next morning, Emma is woken by a friendly bat named Lil. L it's like, yeah, I later found, I read somewhere it's like Lil Fang or something. Oh, I don't okay. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they just keep referring to the bat as Lil. That's, so a, like, that's a very early 2000s joke, I yeah. think. <laughs> He explains the worm was poisoned with a sleeping potion, so now Edric is comatose. To save her, Lil tells her to pretend she's asleep as well, or the witch might kill her. Oh, and get this, the witch's name is Vanabe? Vanabe. <laughs> Vanabe. If you Vanabe, my lover. <laughs> In the witch's den are a bunch of other creatures, spy oh, spiders, eeny, meeny, and mo. Miney got stepped on. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. That's very funny. Mice, Clifford and Lewis and a snake named Fang. Uh, Lil explains there used to be an old witch who lived here called Madine. One day she vanished and Varnaby took her place. Only thing is, Varnaby is a wannabe witch. She isn't magic at all. She's trying to work out one of Madine's youth spells, which involves dragon's breath, rare plants and the tongues and toes of talking frogs. The only thing she's missing are the plants, which she plans to retrieve tomorrow morning. 
Emma has a rash. <laughs> what a sentence. Oh my God. so much worse coming out of your mouth. Emma has a rash that's developed from a run-in with some plant a few chapters ago. Um, ironically, or, or thankfully, not developed from all this making out. As Edric finally wakes up, she reads a spell from the spell book, uh, the bat found and cures herself. She then reads a spell that pops open all the cages the animals are in. During the dramatic escape, Emma steals the dragon's breath and promises Lil that she can be her aunt's bat when they get home. Emma decides they have no choice but to head back and find her aunt to see if she can solve this mess. And once again, Edric brings up the idea of a makeout session once they're human. Ugh. That's <laughs> just such a such a weird thing to do when you find out someone has a rash. It's like, mm, yum, come here. Mm. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. <laughs> they keep walking. Edric keeps asking to make out. Fang the snake joins them. <laughs> In the makeout? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, all right, okay, okay. Um, they find a nymph with only one thing on her mind. Edric tries to seduce her. It's weird. Emma has a nightmare, blah, blah, blah. They run into a horny female snake who wants to bang Fang. And the frogs nearly die of dehydration. And hey, presto, we're at the castle. That's a lot of adventures. Yeah, that's like four chapters of summary there. That's crazy. Aunt Gracina explains that because Esmeralda was wearing some sort of magical reversal charm bracelet when she kissed the frog, it reversed the magic. So all she needs to do to fix it is find that bracelet and kiss him again. Of course, because Story and Otter swam off with the bracelet when Ezzy transformed. So off we go. It takes two long chapters involving fairies to get the bracelet back, but we get it. They kiss it and hey presto, we're human again. As soon as Edric wakes up, the horny bastard wants to get it on. They head back down to the swamp to find Aunt Christina, who is now full of joy because it turns out the love of her life wasn't a frog at all, he was an otter. Skip ahead, skip ahead, and Esmeralda plants one on Edric. Deciding she will cancel the wedding and pursue a career in witchcraft, the story ends with a happy Esmeralda, proud she finally has agency to do what she wants. The end. <sighs> that's, oh, man, that was a, that's, it's loosely based. Loosely based in that there is a female character that gets turned into a frog. She's not even a princess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, that's yeah, okay. Might as well not be based on it. It's so, yeah, so I, far removed. I couldn't really work it out. Like, the characters they meet aren't even the same. Like, they don't meet a snake. They don't meet fairies. They meet a, a glowworm and an alligator. You know? um, yeah, yeah. And then there's not even, like, this sort of that witch thing, but not. Um, mm. So, basically, Muska and Clements left Disney in 2005 uh, and they came back on the promise that they could decide what animation style their next movie would be. And they decided they wanted to go back to hand-drawn animation, which obviously worked out super well because there's been so many hand-drawn animated movies since this one. Yeah. So <laughs> they they picked this and actually Pixar was working on a film based on this story as well. Okay. When I say this story, I mean The Princess and the Frog, not that book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this one ended up sort of winning the the pitch, I mm. guess. Mm. However, the original pitch was quite different to what you see in the movie. Okay. 
Originally, Tiana was called Maddie. Right. She was a chambermaid. Okay. And she fell in love with a frog who turned out to be a white prince cursed by a black voodoo witch doctor. And the movie was called The Frog Princess. Now, obviously, the biggest issue there was the frog princess was slanderous to French people, so that had to change. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Fuck. All right. That's grim. (laughs) But then we've obviously got a few issues here. First of all, Maddie sounding like Mammy. Uh Uh, Her being a chambermaid of all the freaking things they could have made her. Yeah. So they changed that to waitress. And then the prince was white. Yeah. And there was issues of like, oh, we got a black princess, but we can't have her fall in love with a prince of colour. And so that's why he's Mexican. Uh, Yeah, I picked like South American of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) this film was originally far more problematic than it is. However, Mm. it is still problematic in that, um, yeah, we've got, when you think about the other princess movies, most of them either start out as princesses Mm. Or start out with some sort of issue. Like Snow White's a princess. Cinderella lives with very rich people. She's just mm. treated poorly. Yeah. Um, Aladdin, uh, Aladdin, Jasmine mm. <laughs> is a mm. princess. Um, Belle is the daughter of a an inventor. So yeah. they're all like kind of in good places apart from Cinderella. Mm. But then we get to here and... She's a she's a waitress in a working class family, and it just it doesn't sort of start off. She's not she's not a princess, and yeah. the, there's that weird thing at the end where how does she become a princess again? She marries the prince. Oh yeah, she marries the prince, which mm. makes her a princess. Which is why when he kisses her, the princess power reverses the spell or yeah. some shit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, there's like issues there. The other issue is she spends something like 90% of this movie as a frog, mm, yeah. which became a sort of a thing with movies that involved black protagonists in animation. So we've got Princess and the Frog. She spends most of the movie as a frog. Mm. We've got, I can't remember what the movie's called. It's a spy movie with Will Smith. Oh, um, Sp- Spies in Disguise. Spies in Disguise. And he spends most of the movie as a... Pigeon. Pigeon. Yeah. And then we've got Sol, a black protagonist who spends most of the movie as a cat. So it just became sort of this thing of like, hey, we've got animated movies for for black kids and then most of the time Mm. they're an animal. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 go. Um, Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird sort of trend and it's something that, I don't know if you've seen it on TikTok. The the um, there's been the the trailer for the new Little Mermaid released recently, and mm. a little rabbit hole I went down was these um, parents who were filming their children watching uh, it. watching the trailer. Yeah, and the the sort of the 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 awe on their faces when they realised that they were being represented, and there was even comments like "She looks like me," and mm. "Oh, oh my God, she's black," and all this sort of stuff. Like, and there was like screaming, "Mom, Mom, she's black," and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, it, it was um, it's it's unfortunate that the representation couldn't have been better from earlier, but it, yeah. because because when you see that sort of reaction, it's hard to not like it's it's hard. It would be hard for anyone to make the argument that it doesn't matter. 
Oh, 100%. These sort of like these steps forward are just so, so important and so fantastic. And yeah. obviously we had a, a black princess in The Lion King. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she a lion. <laughs> no yeah, one's going to yeah, look yeah. at the lion no. and be like, oh, she looks like me. I've no. got four paws and some whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, my cat at home did yeah. that. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> no, no. Yeah, so this is this is really important. And like you said, having the little mermaid with um, – I always want to say Halle Berry, but yeah, it's yeah. Haley Berry. It is Haley Berry, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so fantastic. And I'm actually really looking forward to that. There is a leaked clip that I think I saw on TikTok of mm. a lot more of the song. Yeah. So not just the ending that you see in the trailer. It's probably about the 30 seconds leading up to it. And yeah. it's just, it's fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. So yeah, very much weird, looking like- forward to that. In watching the trailer, initially I was like, ooh, it looks a bit like drab. It looks – because, I don't know, I expected like a lot of vibrant colours and they've gone for this very sort of green – Real under the sea Real under the sea aesthetic, (laughs) which, um, you know, realism, yay, I guess. But, like, I was just looking for more colour. But then I just – I had this moment where I realised it doesn't matter about that. Like, it's – that's not what this movie is about now. Um, Yeah. I I would imagine that when it comes out and we see, like, under the sea, it will be spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. but, yeah, it's just nice to give uh, kids, particularly black kids, something to look at and say, look, if you believe and you wish hard enough, you know, they sort of like Disney ideals, mm. um, anything's possible. Unlike mm. this movie, which tells you if you work hard enough, you might make yeah. enough money to make something possible. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, with the cost of living these days, kids, yeah. <laughs> uh, we can't have you thinking you don't get away with working. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, lots of lots of issues here, and like I said, if you if you're really keen on hearing some some fantastic insight into that, I really strongly suggest jumping on Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Fantastic mm. podcast, fantastic episode. Yeah. All right, and you can say we sent you there because I'd love for them to know we exist because I kind yeah. of worship that <laughs> podcast. Okay. Uh- <laughs> But look, do we have anything else that we need to talk about, or can we jump into the songs? Let's jump into the songs because that's the fun bit. <laughs> All right, let's do it. We'll be back in just a moment and then we'll talk about the songs. Hey guys, it's Will here. First up, thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Your support gives us motivation and inspiration. If you want to join us over there, you can and listen to a bunch of bonus episodes, including an upcoming episode on three of the films. I think it's three of like 12 films that exist between Tarzan and uh, The Princess and the Frog. So head over to Patreon and search for Dissecting Disney Ditties or just go to patreon.com slash dissecting Disney. We also have merch available now. What is the best Disney song t-shirts are now available in our Redbubble store. You'll find the link on our Facebook page or just search for us on Redbubble. Last of all, if you enjoy this podcast, we would really appreciate likes, subscribes, rates and reviews. In order for more people to find us, we need you to make your voices heard. So head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any other app where you can and leave us a review. That's it for now. Let's dive into the songs. It's such a jam. It is. It's sung by Dr. John, who was a really great and prolific blues, I guess is where I'd put him, blues soul Mm -hmm. 
singer. Mum had an album of his that she used to play in the house and I hated it when I was a kid. Hated it. Yeah. There was this yeah. weird cover of Oh When the Saints Go Marching In. Ooh, when the Saints oh, really? I hated it when I was a kid and now that I'm older and smarter, it's awesome. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, this song is so Randy yeah. Newman. It is, yeah, yeah. And Dr. John sings it so well. Like, um, I forget, we talked about him recently because uh, he did the cover of Corella Deville for the 1996 live action 101 Dalmatians, which I think we talked about on our bonus episode on rating the pop yes. covers. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's nice to see him popping up again. Um, and I think he sings it super, super well. Yeah, it just really, really sets the tone of the film, I think. Uh, mm, or yeah. certainly of the setting where we begin, that kind yeah. of real free, easy, keep it positive kind of vibe, which is definitely what she's grown up with in terms of the way that her father encourages her and her mother to yeah. some degree, but really the father seems to be the driving force in um, Tiana's hopes and dreams. And, yeah, I think it's just it's really fun. Lyrically it's really fun as well. It kind of mm. reminds me of the opening of Oliver and Company. Now it's always once upon a time in New York City. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is a similar vibe, but, yeah, like jazz as opposed to 80s. <laughs> you know what? If you played that for me with no context, I'd say, I don't think I've ever heard this song before. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're right, though. It, it, it's got a very, very similar vibe. Like it is basically introducing you to a place, not so much a mm. person. And so it's trying to capture that that place in that time in yeah. the song, which I think it does pretty well. Like I rated this, uh, your, I'll jump straight into my scores. All right. I gave it a four for both music and lyrics. I gave it a three for animation, a four for contribution and a two for cake. Cool. Uh, not too dissimilar to me. I gave it a four <laughs> for music, a three and a half for lyrics, a four for mm-hmm. animation a three and a half for contribution and a yep. one for cake. Dare I say, this is the day we're in sync. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we will be with this one. Well, maybe. It's fun. I think the the downfall of this movie is it has some really great music that just isn't that memorable. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that most of the scores that let down any score of, of these is uh, is the cake score. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But then we go straight into Almost There. Don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> but I know exactly where I'm going, getting closer and closer every day, and I'm almost there. I'm almost there. People down here think I'm crazy, but I don't care. Fun song. I can imagine. I can see why a lot of ki- uh, young people would want to sing this song. Like it's kind of fun. It kind of moves. It's um, it's sitting in a really nice sort of range. It's also just a really fun I want song. Yeah, it's not yeah. like part of your world or Belle. Mm. It 
it's just got more like jive, not sort of I'm wishing, mm. but more, yeah, I'm going to get there. I'm almost there. Like, just get out of my way. I'm coming. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's sung by Anika Noni Rose, who also voiced Tiana throughout the film. Anika Noni mm-hmm. Rose is a bit of a Broadway legend. If you've seen the movie Dream Girl, she's Laurel. Stay out of this, Laurel. <laughs> then uh, she's also been in a couple of Broadway shows. She was Emmy and Carolina or Change. And most recently she was in the Broadway revival of A Raisin in the Sun. She played Benita. A Raisin in the Sun won a bunch of Tonys. I think it won a bunch of them. It was definitely nominated for a stack of them anyway. So, mm, yeah, she's mm. got a really, really great voice. I love her. Um, mm. It's just it's one of those songs that it's, yeah, like you said, it sits in a really easy range so it's easy to teach until you get to the last note. I'm almost there. That's where kids just crumble. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we separate the children from the adults. (laughs) The animation in this is stunning. It is stunning. Now, it's... um I guess it's it, it was less impactful for me watching this because we've been watching them all and th- we haven't yet encountered computer-generated animation. But I imagine at the time it would have felt really refreshing to go back to hand-drawn animation or at least that style. Yeah, 100%. And just because it goes into that sort of this is done with that 1920s sort of art deco animation, so it's really flat. And yeah. it just yeah. stylistically, <clears throat> part of me, looks so beautiful. And I don't think it's ever been done in a Disney film. The the one that I can think of that sort of most stylistically retro is uh, 101 Dalmatians. But Yeah, yeah. But this yeah. is sort of an even older style that they're going back to. And it just looks mm. so effective. It's so colourful. It does. And the way, like, the people are sort of, like, almost sort of like folding in almost. It's, mm. yeah, it's 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 very, very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a yeah. really, really fun way to do it. And I just think it's a, it's a yeah, beautifully animated sequence. It's really mm. fun and really clever. So. Uh, Absolutely. What'd you write it? That's why I gave it flat fives. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not quite for me, but good for you. I know your cake score won't be five because you're a dude. No, it, it's uh, it's not the worst cake score I've given, <laughs> but it's, yeah. So, it, I, look, it got, for me, it got five for music, a five for lyrics, a five for animation, a five for contribution, and a three for I cake. Because you're a dude. Uh- <laughs> I am a dude, yes. Big old dude energy here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that was perfectly reasonable. Yeah. I actually, oh, my goodness, I cried nearly again, actually. Let's make it three. And I gave you such, yeah. like, eyes for crying twice. What the fuck? Yeah, um, you gave me a big hard time. So let's just, let's just back the fuck up for a second, okay? Because when she reprises this and she's in the blue dress and she sings, I was almost there. Yeah. Because... It's kind of devastating. Oh, yeah, because the um, realtors have told her, sorry, someone outbid you. Mm. I mean, she has the keys. She was in the building. Yeah. uh, uh, We've Uh, already got your money, but 
Sorry, we're yeah. giving it to someone else. <laughs> Lol, soz. I thought that moment is super Menken, the way they did that reprise out in the yeah. balcony. It had yeah. really epic beauty in the Beast vibes. But, uh, yeah. yeah, oh, I just thought this reprise, have a listen. I just love the flip from I'm almost there to I was almost there, kind of how Ariel flips from part of that world to part of your world, despite Mm. the fact the song is called Part of Your World. But (laughs) (laughs) it's just beautiful and uh, sort of what we were talking about with Tarzan, you give musical theatre songs to musical theatre actresses and just or actors and just let them do their thing. This happens. Magic happens. This was Phil Collins to be like, almost there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost there in the air tonight. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely stunning. But we're not reading the reprise, unfortunately. Uh, no, no, I didn't write the reprise. Which least, is good because yeah, I was too beautiful. busy trying to hold back tears. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get introduced. Actually, something I do like about this movie is that we are just about to talk about Vasilier's song, but he is kind of present throughout the start as well. Like he, he, is. he doesn't just sort of appear in smoke. He's on the street. He's sc- scamming people on the street. Like he's there. He's doing his thing the whole way through. I feel like at some point I really, he, really he walks past with like a marching band. It's like at the front of a, yeah, a band. So, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's got like cards and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. Yeah. Um. So I did really like his sort of, Omnipresence. Yeah, I also just um, adore his voice. So, Dr. Facilier's yeah, voice oh by God. Keith David. Yeah. D- David. Keith David, he's a legend. Yeah, Keith David has done so much. You would have heard him in something. Most recently, I think you would have heard him as the president in Rick and Morty. Yep. Um, but he is, his credits are, so, he's done so much stuff. He was also Elroy, is it Patashnik in um, Community? Yes, Elroy Patashnik. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I made a very, very short list of stuff he's been in. Uh, he's actually got, you know, when an act- actor is so huge that their Wikipedia page has a separate link that's just the list to of their, their credits, works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy's got one, but uh, some of the ones I wrote down were The Thing, Platoon, They Live, Dead Presidents, Armageddon, There's Something About Mary, Requiem for a Dream, Pitch Black, Barbershop, mm. Crash, The Chronicles of Riddick, and Cloud Atlas. Uh, Coraline, he voices in that. Yep. And then, yeah, I had Rick and Morty and Community. But, oh, he's just honey. His voice is honey, especially when he starts this song. Don't you disrespect me, little man. Don't you derogate or deride. You're in my world now, not your world. And I got friends on the other side. He's got friends on the other side. That's an echo, gentlemen. Just a little something we have here in Louisiana. A little party trick, don't worry. Sit down at my table. Put your minds at ease. If you relax, it will enable me to do anything I please. 
I can read your future I can change it around some too I look deep into your heart and soul You do have a soul, don't you, Lawrence? Make your wildest dreams come true I got voodoo, I got voodoo I got things I ain't even tried And I got friends on the other side He's got friends on the other side As soon as this song started I, and he points the cane and says, don't you disrespect me. I went, yes! (laughs) (laughs) It just happens. Like he just goes into it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. There is some really cool details in the animation of this song Mm. as well. Um, Like, I don't know if you saw it, but like the the detail of the wallpaper behind him as he was sort of like leaning across and his shadow was being cast on the the wallpaper, it had that effect of turning it into like skulls and crossbones, which was super, super cool. And like, I just got so excited when I saw that. I was like, Angie, look at that. Um, And so- um, There's a lot of really cool use of shadows in all of his scenes, really. Yeah, which obviously is a big part of the story as well. Is he called um, the Shadow Man in this? Uh, I think so, yes. Yeah, no, I think I believe they refer to him as the Shadow Man. Uh, It's a song that gets through a lot of story. Like it does really well in getting them off the street into the, I don't know, voodoo den, making the Mm. deal, showing them their futures and then cursing them. Like it does that all in the space of like three and a half minutes, which is really, really great. The problem (laughs) I have with it is this actually came up back on your original post back in 2020. 2020. Whenever you put up this, uh, I think it was late 2020. This ridiculous yep, yep. post of what is the best Disney song that started off this <laughs> mad journey. Someone commented this song, "Friends on the Other Side," and I think some other people jumped on board and people have brought it up. The problem is when they mention "Friends on the Other Side," they are specifically usually talking about this bit. Yeah. That feels almost like Danny Elfman a little bit. It does, doesn't it? Whoa! The sound of the dice to me is music in the air. Because I'm a gambling boogeyman, although I don't play fair. Yeah, it's weird because, like, that that bit is really good. But I think the earlier parts of the song are even, like, uh, my favourite bits. Like, when he's sort of, like, doing the whole wheeling and dealing, like, use car salesman the almost cards, energy. The cards. The cards. The cards. Just take three. Take a little trip into your future with me. And I think he plays this incredibly well. Like, I think the, the character is so fascinating. My only complaint with the character in general is that I'm still not really sure what he was after. Like, was he just after money? Is that all he was really chasing? No, he has to collect souls. What do the shadows want? It's to do with the the debt he's owed to the shadows. Oh, yes. No. Okay. So he needs to. uh, Yeah. Okay. So this is the, this is why I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think he needs to get Lawrence to be the prince so that the people he owes have access to a city. Obviously it's clear as mud. Yeah. I, and the whole movie, I was like, I don't really know what his deal is. I don't really know what he's after. Yeah, because- That's my only complaint with him. When the frog escapes or Naveen escapes, the shadows mm. come after him. Because they need his blood to maintain the disguise. Yes. 
But why do they need to maintain the disguise? Because movies got a movie. I don't know. Yeah. I, oh, hang on. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. The plan is for Lawrence as Naveen to marry Charlotte, get her money and share it with the shadow man who plans on killing Charlotte's father and using his fortune to control the city. Presumably, therefore, so that the the friends on the other side have access to the souls. Yeah, right. I yeah, do so remember just, he wants it, it to own the money. city. He wants to control the city. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, okay. he he must owe some debt to them in order to need to do that because they like attack him for it when he yeah, when it falls well, and through. then he gets into more debt asking for this power to find Naveen to get this happening. Yeah. So. Yeah, but he is a really fun character, a very fun villain character. Um, so I rated this a five for everything oh. except cake, yep. which got a four. Wow. Mm. Okay, I gave this a four for music, five yep. for lyrics, five for animation, five for contribution. The animation in this is so good. Uh, yeah, especially when incredible. he wakes up all the souls and all that colour. Yeah. It's so good. I gave it a two for cake because, honestly, yep. all I remember is, are you ready to the end? Yeah. And the cards, the cards. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what the other, like, three minutes of the song is. This bit where he's like, um, you sell your soul, you do have a soul, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just I find don't find fun. it. I think it for me it's too storytelling, which is effective yeah. for the the – movie to remember because it, it's yeah. not like it keeps coming back to a chorus sort of more harks back to just that line of I've got friends on the other side yeah so yeah, yeah. for me it just it's great but I don't really remember it but the ending's great no, fair I remember enough. that yeah bum, 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 making Christmas which is making. I'm trying to get uh, is it DSE Ray because you got da 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 which is da 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 so it's got the th- Three notes of DSE Ray, which if you yeah. are a Patreon and you've heard our Nightmare Before Christmas episode, I talk uh, in yes, quite yep. a bit of detail about and how the Nightmare Before Christmas and then Home Alone and I started pulling in all these other things revolve mm. around the DSE Ray. And I would say, yes, there is. Dun, 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 dun. It's very close. The bottom yeah. of it. Dun, 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 dun. Then it steps below and comes back up. But I would say there's definitely inspiration there. Mm, <laughs> New Orleans yeah. interpretation of the Latin DSE Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's comment on Vasilier's character design. Tim's tidbits. He said, it's like Jafar met Prince. <laughs> and I think it was kinda, pretty yeah, accurate. No, I kind of I see that. Yeah, because he's got that same sort of very thin, tall style. And that long um, face. Yeah, but and yeah, a very sort of more modern Prince's wardrobe energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I see it. I see yeah. it. Well done, Tim. I think uh, he's definitely the best modern villain. Have we had any since him? I think we've um, more gone into the villain is the the Earth. Oh, we've got Hans in um, Frozen. Yeah, uh, sort of. Yeah, there's not there's not really a villain in Moana. Tangled has the witch. Oh, Tangle's got the witch, yeah, because Frozen kind yeah. of has Elsa in a way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she, true, She true. does nearly give <laughs> everyone pneumonia. Am I the bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Moana's got Fatiti, is that yep. what it's called, which yep. is the, the island volcano. 
So that's mm-hmm. nature yep. as well. If you're looking at like Elsa's win- the eternal winter. I guess and then you've also got Tomato. But not that's not really like a, a, a movie like long a bad cameo. guy. He's like when yeah. um What's his name shows up in Jesus Christ Superstar for five seconds. Uh, oh, King Herod. King Herod, just to like <laughs> dance in sequence and fuck off, you know. Like- Tomatoa <laughs> is Disney's King Herod. Yeah, so. basically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but they're sort of yeah, like more um, that nature thing, which if you look at hmm. the history of horror films uh, yeah. and the way that, you know, the the villain in horror films developed developed from like a monster and a vampire into a serial killer into the weather you know into mm. what have we done to the world <laughs> yeah um yeah it's sort of into oh no midlife yeah because even if you look at like Raya and the Last Dragon it's yeah true like, yeah uh, it's not water it's a lack of water it's like sludge. Something. I, I, I'll be honest. I fell asleep in Ride of the Last Dragon, and it wasn't. It wasn't because I didn't like it. It was just because I was babysitting and I was extremely tired. <laughs> it's a really good movie. Go back and watch it again. Yeah, I will. I will. I think I fell asleep on my uh, on my niece and nephew's couch, and I was snoring in the movie. I'm pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure they were saying to Angie, um, "He's snoring. Can we wake him up? Because we're missing the movie." <laughs> we're missing the movie. It's <laughs> all right. Just just uh, before we started recording. Um, Tim had this idea that we'd watch the Meg, but we'd only skip. Oh. We'd watch it by just skipping to the parts where the shark was because we didn't really I, care about the movie. And uh, look, up yeah, until about ahead, ten minutes before we started recording, I was stuck on a couch with a comatose cat on my lap and a comatose Tim on my shoulder. And then I was like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Have I have to go record. <laughs> I adore the Meg more than it has any right for me to adore it. My only issue with the Meg is that it's not more violent. Like if it was because they're sort of trying to teeter this this balance between like something that teenagers can watch and something that is like a monster movie. But if they went like full Jaws and made it a bit more graphic, it would be a lot more fun. (laughs) And (laughs) for about about six months after that movie, all I would do is – pretend to be Jason Statham anytime Angie asks me a question. <laughs> and there's actually a post that came up on Facebook recently in a memory where it's where I'd quoted Angie saying something along the lines of, are you going to ruin every moment by being Jason Statham? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a sidetrack. Uh, Let's get back to the songs. Yeah, apologies. Apologies. Uh, next when up, we're human. When We're Human, a song I forgot existed. <laughs> If I were a human being, I'd head straight for New Orleans And I'd blow this horn so hot and strong like no one they've ever seen You heard of Louis Armstrong, Mr. Sidney Bechet All those boys gotta step aside when they hear this old ex-gator play Listen Yeah, I guess it's fun it's super fun. So this is mm. sung by Michael Leon Woolley, who also mm-hmm. vo- voices Louis throughout the film. Uh, just bringing back the Dreamgirls movie, he was Tiny mm. jo- Joe Dixon, who is the, um, I guess, contestant who at the start of the movie is singing. It's kind of like a B.B. King sort of homage. My man, Mr. Tiny Joe Dixon. Baby, I'm taking the long way home. Cause my baby don't live there no more. And 
he, I think, wins the contest over the Dreamgirls because there's that movie slash musical opens with the Dreamgirls absolutely crushing it and someone going, I'll give you $20 to say that Dreamettes don't win and Tiny Joe Jackson wins. Mm. And they're like, what the hell? And that's so they can become the backing vocalist for Jimmy Early and blah, blah, blah. The musical continues. But, yeah, he played Tiny mm. Joe Jackson mm. in the movie, which I thought was really cool. He's been in a lot of musicals. Okay. Ones that just scream, of course, that voice has is he's been in Five Guys Named Mo. Oh, of course. And he he's has, also yeah. played Audrey 2 in The Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, of course he has. Oh, actually, was he the Audrey 2 in the 2003 Little Shop of Horrors? I believe so. Dot, 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 question mark. Yeah, okay. That was one of the first sort of CD soundtracks I bought. Oh, really? So, yeah, okay. I thought I recognized his voice and it would be from that. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Feed me, see more. Feed me all night long. That's right, boy. Feed me, see more. Feed me all night long. <laughs> yeah, that's a great recording. Great recording. Really great. Awesome recording. I like this song. When I'm human. Mm. But even just then, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot this song is there. It's just catchy, but it's not wow. Yeah. I look, I didn't rate it too poorly. What did you get it first all? I gave it three for music, uh-huh. three and a half for lyrics, yep. three for animation. This yep. is one of those uh, similar to sort of Tarzan and Jungle Book. It, it reminded mm. me a lot of um, Bare Necessities, which I think they took a lot of <laughs> inspiration from. Yeah, okay. Of yep. the hand-drawn, hand-drawn characters going past the CGI background down the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four for contribution because I think it uh-huh. definitely saves a point and zero for cake. Okay. Yeah, I um gave it a four for music and lyrics, a three for animation, a four for contribution, and a one for cake because I yeah. only remember one bit and it's the when I'm going to hear Like that's the that's all I remember. I don't even remember the lyrics in that part. I just remember that melody. Yeah. This would have been a real jam to record. I imagine most of them would have been. Mm. I really like the use of New Orleans instrumentation that runs through most of these songs. Mm. It's only in the like Menken-esque moments like that reprise, you really hear strings. But otherwise, these songs are very heavily led by brass, particularly a tuba bass line. You've got banjo, you've got piano, Mm. um, acoustic drums, which I know sounds stupid, but um, I'm talking like small little drum sets. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's joyous. It's really joyous music. Yeah, you're right. I think that when they got the the sheets to this, they would have been like, this is going to be fun. And it is fun. It's just not super memorable, which is unfortunate. Speaking of not super memorable, we move on to Gonna Take You There. All right, Lulu, let's get to it, darling. Come on, shout. Just follow the bouncing butt. We're going to take you down. We're going to take you down. We're going to take you all the way down. No memory of this song existing. <laughs> <Me not. laughs> 
it sounds like what what was that terrible Bob Dylan music I had to sit through recently? Girl from the North Country. It's kind oh, of like right. what yeah. that wanted to be. Yeah, okay. But it's like it's it's fun, but yeah, I until he went going down the bayou, I remembered mm. the glowworms going yeah, yeah, and like yeah. Rose and I remember something in the behind the scenes with an animator saying it took me two weeks to make that like three seconds of frame of the glowworms going past. Oh, because okay, yeah. It's all yeah. done by hand, none of that CGI, which you feel like that would be really obvious CGI bit, but no, the glowworms are all done by hand. Yeah, that's it's a song. It's, it's sung a song. by Jim Cummings, who yeah. plays Ray. Jim Cummings has come up a lot uh, in this podcast. Most notably, he's the voice of Winnie the Pooh and then became the voice of Tigger for mm. a very long time. Uh, he was also Ed in The Lion King. He also sung yeah. the second half or the sec, sorry, the final third of Be Prepared in The Lion King yeah. because what's his name? Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons got sick or his mm. voice gave out, one of those two. Uh, but we we don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just pretend he sang the whole thing. So, yeah, uh, an absolute Disney legend. And he does this sort of Cajun firefly so well. I just think yeah, he's he such does. a likeable character. I was obsessed with the Cajun accent for the longest time around about this time because I started, like, I think it was about this time that True Blood came out. Did yeah, you right. watch True Blood? No. There was, a, in the first season, there was, like, a Cajun character as well um and i just thought it was the coolest accent uh and yeah i think he does it pretty well like i think it's, i think his characterization in this movie is great it's so um, fun it is it is i rated this song quite poorly except for <laughs> except for music which i gave a five and i and upon just re-listening to it then the opening sort of strings yeah the fiddle and all that sort of stuff i really really liked so i i, I that's what i would have given it a five for yeah, right. um I gave it a two for lyrics, uh-huh. a two for animation, which is an insult to the guy who spent three days <laughs> making that glowworm slide <laughs> go, um, a one for contribution, and a zero for cake. Yeah, right. Is that right? So I'm looking at my own scores. Nah, this is what I wrote. Stick and bite. Yeah, stick by okay. it. I gave it three for music and lyrics. Mm-hmm. Good. Not mind-blowing. I gave it a five for animation. I think all the um, I really love the character designs of the. I keep wanting to say the grasshoppers, the fireflies. Yeah, I really love the individual characterization. I especially mm. love Grandma. I love her yeah. so much. She's got like a walking frame, but she's flying. Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really love the the effect of the glowworms and all the shapes that they make, and then how mm-hmm. they go down the river. I just thought that was really, really pretty. So whilst the song wasn't super inspiring, I thought it was a really pretty sequence. Yeah, um, contribution, I gave it three, so it was a bit kinder than you. And, yeah, cake, I gave five. I'm kidding. Zero. <laughs> Hardcore zero. <laughs> Moving right along, I guess. To the other song that Jim Cummings sings. Marbell Evangeline. Look how she lights up the sky. Marbell Evangeline. So far above me, yet I know her heart belongs to only me. Je t'adore, je t'aime, Evangeline. 
You're my queen of the night, so still, so bright. I think that song is exceptionally pretty. It's so beautiful, and that trumpet solo in the middle. Yeah, that, oh. that I was just about to say. That trumpet solo is stunning. Really beautiful song. Yeah, it's so Randy Newman. Mm. You can picture Randy Newman singing this. Yeah. I'm not much to talk to, and I know how I look. What I know about life comes out of a book. But of all of the people there are in the world, she chose. Yeah, that sounds very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very him. Just that sort of like lazy vocal, but beautiful, beautiful structure. Mm. Oh, this is probably one of my favorite sidekick characters mm. in the whole catalog, which pretty yeah, big okay. call. It's a big call. Um, it's not, I'm not immediately. Hating the idea, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not calling for your head. I, I'm I think, talking um, animal side characters. Like, I'm not yeah, putting yeah. him next to the genie. But if we're talking no. like Abu, <laughs> yeah, no. Look, I mean, you yeah, could no. even put him up there next to the genie. I mean, it, it, he's it, it, like he's a very um, he's a very loving character. He's very he has. I want to say simple goals, but they're not simple goals. You know, like he's got he's got realist, like he's got goals, he's got loves, he's got, he's got desires wants. and wants. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. You don't really get that from like hey hey the chicken in, no. in Moana. You no, know, like you don't. You don't. <laughs> no, as much as I would love to know what hey hey's wants are. <laughs> and it just he's so lovable, mm. just a beautiful character. Yeah, he is, and I really love the like. Again, it's like sort of that slow melancholic tone of this song i think that the plucking of the the guitar is really beautiful the the um is it a is it a accordion that is coming yeah. in there as well like the accordion is just stunning and then yeah jim cummings just really sings it really well yeah which absolutely stunning what did you rate it oh look i gave it a five for music and lyrics mm-hmm. um i gave it a four for animation a four for contribution and a one for cake unfortunately Again, it's just not an earworm. Like it's a beautiful song, and I I want to learn it and play it for my daughter. But um, it's uh, it's just not super catchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it a five for music, a four for lyrics, mm-hmm. a four for animation, a five for contribution, and a two for cake. I could almost bump that cake score up. In fact, I think I am. I'm going to make it a three because when I first watched this movie, the two songs that I played over and over again were almost there and this. Yeah. I just, I loved it so much, which, mm. you know, I guess means I didn't forget it when I got home, you know. Um, yeah. And I think I, I had the, I've got the sheet music book of it somewhere and I used to sing it and it doesn't sound as good 
when it's in a female voice, but uh, <laughs> <je adore>. uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna bump that up. I really, really love this song, and like I said, it it just makes it serves a really great purpose in the film because it allows you to become so attached to him, mm. so that when he does get squashed, mm. you you're attached to that character, and it's a really mm. sad moment. Whereas if you only met him and he sung Gonna Take You There and this song didn't exist, mm. it would it would ruin that. It'd be yeah. like, oh, the bug died. That's sad. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this makes it gut-wrenchingly mm. heartbreaking when it happens. So And because yeah. he's singing he's singing this like he's got this v- quite ridiculous goal, really. Like if you're watching this movie as a kid who, you know, maybe doesn't understand metaphor and stuff like that, you're like, oh, he's so silly. It's a star, you idiot. Like, yeah. you, can't, you can't be in love with a star. And yeah. so the fact that he is so deeply in love with this unattainable, like, object and then he gets it. Yeah. It just it makes it so much more meaningful. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of we haven't gotten to Frozen yet, obviously, but the way that Olaf is in love with Summer, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And there's that great line at the end where Kristoff says, I'm gonna tell him. And Anna says, Don't you dare. And <laughs> yeah. sort of the same thing here, like um Prince Naveed's like, This moron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's beautiful. It yeah, beautiful, really beautiful moment. Lovely song. Beautiful song. Mm. Is this the last song we're up to? This is the last song that we are there up we to. It's the song that I taught to my youth theatre group on a Saturday. Hey. Dig a little deeper. Don't matter what you look like. Don't matter what you wear. Come in the rain you got on your finger. We don't care, no, we don't care. You gotta dig a little deeper. Is this Mama Odie? Is that who's singing this? This is Mama Odie. Mama Odie. It is voiced by one of my favourite actresses, Jennifer Lewis. Did you watch Blackish? No. Oh, it's such a good series. Such a good series. So robbed of awards. Shit's Creek was great, but it wasn't that great. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> she plays the grandmother in that. Okay. She, yeah. She's kind of a live-in grandmother, kind of not, uh, but she is Absolutely hilarious. This woman has had an incredibly long career and even watching an interview with her about this movie, she said that when she was growing up, she was surrounded by girls who, you know, were waiting for their prince to come essentially. And she said, I don't want to wait for no prince. I just want to find him, punch him in the face and then maybe I'll kiss him. (laughs) She's just, she's really... Gutsy, and I really love her. I think she's hilarious. Yeah. As Mama Odie, I love the animation, the character design of Mama Odie. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all very good. It's very funny. I have a question for you about this song. Yes. Tiana has to dig a little deeper. Yeah. For what? Uh, I'm gonna dig a little deeper. I'm gonna guess it's that she has to dig a little deeper to. Work hard? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I don't think anybody does. Yeah, okay. All right. This song 
makes no sense. No. No. For him, maybe, because he's like, I just want to marry a rich girl. And yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 be rich. Okay, you got to, like, look a little deeper, sweetheart. That's very superficial. But she's like, I've got dreams, I've got plans, I'm going to work hard. And Mama Oda's like, nah, you've got to dig deeper. Like, what? What? Maybe she's, I mean, look, I'm, I'm putting a lot of context here that maybe doesn't exist, but maybe she's sort of saying it's not all about working hard and you've got to enjoy yourself as well. But that I don't know if you would use the term dig a little deeper for that. <laughs> so it is weird. I guess that's why I didn't rate it very highly for contributions. So. Yeah, because um, I think at the end they make a joke of like she doesn't, Get it? And they say, we're going to sing it again? Like, yeah, no, no, Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't get it either. Like, mm. what? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, look, it's a fun character though. I did enjoy Mama Odie. She's so funny. And uh, the guy that an- animated her, and I really should write his name down, he's animated, he's done the character designs for so many of the big characters in these movies, in the Renaissance especially. Mm. He said, I had a lot of trouble with her talking and pointing because I had to keep remembering she's blind so she wouldn't be pointing at the frogs all the time. Yeah. So he tried to do a lot more like circular movement of like you're over there somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. It was really interesting hmm. to watch. It's a, it's a really good behind the scenes. Most of them are utter crap, uh, yeah. like wanky crap about how great Disney is, but this one <laughs> I found quite cool. So uh, this is a really fun gospel number. Um, it's as close to church as we're going to get in this movie. Yep. So, what did you rate it? I rated it a five for music, a four for lyrics, and a four for animation. And then I rated it a one for contribution and cake. Yeah, cool. I gave it a four for music and lyrics. Yep. A five for animation. Uh Uh-huh. Super fun. A two for contribution. It's fun. I don't know what the fuck it's about. Mm. And I gave it a three for cake. I used to run this youth drama group every Saturday, yeah. uh, which was a terrible idea because the last thing you want to do when you're like 20, 19, 20, <laughs> 21, and you've got big parties on Friday nights is to wake up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. That sounds like a great time. To, um, yeah, drag your ass to a youth drama group to deal with, you know, 10-year-olds at 9 a.m. for an hour and a half. That sounds like great fun. I don't know yes. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but my intermediate group, so they were aged about the 13, 14 range. Yeah. We had like a mid-year concert where we just got each each group to do a number and this is what I gave them. Okay, yeah. And it was super fun. Yeah. Super fun because, yeah, it's a song about nothing. It's like just dig deeper and have fun. <laughs> Blue skies. Woo! Uh, what are we digging though, miss? Just shut nah, up. Who cares? Shut just up. clap. Just clap. Just clap. You're not welcome um, back. Beatrice, I don't know. <laughs> Beatrice. Yeah. I live for the moment where Aniki, Aniki, Aniki Noni Rose sings Blue Skies and Sunshine. Mm. They were like, whoa, it's so, ah, take it to church moment, yeah. you know? Yeah. So good. So good. Blue Skies and It is good. It's it's a very and again, it's just the cake that's letting these songs down. Like they're all they're all very competently written songs, very fun songs. Mm. They just yeah, they just sort of get lost a little bit, I think. Yes. But that's all the songs. 
Yeah, so there is one more. It's a reprise of Down in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you rate this? I didn't, no. Yeah, well, have a little listen. It's basically the opening song, but Anika Noni Rose just, like, rips it a new one. It's so good. So hot. Mm. So hot. That whole um, bring a paintbrush, we're going to paint the town is, is just so good. So good. So good. Stunning voice. Yeah. So basically we get between dig a little deeper and that. Mm. We have a wedding that comes out of. Nowhere. 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 I don't know. They've spent one night adventuring around in a swamp mm. and uh, the whole, like you can see he's falling for her mm. that's fine but i don't understand but- her feelings <laughs> no like he's a prat he is an absolute yeah. prat even if he sort of gets a little bit softer towards the end you know it's not enough come on you can do better than this tiana we have a wedding we see a dress that is the iconic dress you see in theme parks and costume racks mm. for about five seconds mm. and then they get married and she's in a completely different dress the dress that you remember her in is the blue one for yeah. me yeah but because that looks like Cinderella's dress, because Cinderella's dress is blue, despite the fact that in the film it's silver, but, yeah. you know, that's a that's a discussion We've for episode three. We've had that argument, Stackers. Yeah. We don't need to bring it up again. Oh, the PTSD. <laughs> I have so many feelings. <laughs> they marketed the, the lily pad dress, which is just weird because you see it for three seconds. Yeah. It's really pretty, but... Hmm. Yeah, so that happens and uh, that's that's it. That's the that's movie. It. That's the movie, mm. which brings us to everyone's favourite... Segment. Like I said, we we watched this uh, on uh, on holiday on DVD uh, in multiple parts because our young child uh, is not sleeping super well at the moment, so it took a lot of <laughs> a lot of pausing and stuff. But we, she, got very grossed out by any time they mentioned mucus. Um, and so it's not slime, it's, it's mucus. mucus. It is mucus. Um, but we, we why did you to- sound like Moira? Yeah, I don't know. David, it's mucus. <laughs> mucus. <laughs> um, so this is a two part Angie's anecdote. Right. First off, she got really upset and sort of threw her hands in the air and said, Why have they felt the need to mention mucus twice already? And then later on in the movie. I can't remember exactly what happens, but something happens where it comes back around and the mucus saves the day or something. And she's like, oh. Yeah, when she's hiding in the tree. They got us. It's Chekhov's mucus. Angie's <laughs> <laughs> anecdotes. That's so gross. Anyone who's not a massive theatre nerd or anyone who's a massive theatre nerd obviously knows the uh, the Chekhov's gun theory. Um, if you don't, it's basically something like if something's mentioned or something's a part of the set, it needs to come back into it or will come back into it and play a part later in. So Chekhov's mucus. Yeah. It's sort of like if there's a gun there yeah. at the start of the scene, you're just waiting for it to go off. Yeah, basically. you're waiting for someone to use it. I don't know how many people were like, I wonder when that mucus is going to become useful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. They got us. <laughs> uh, so, Stackers, do we have a Winra? 
We do. And the only by three points. Ooh, okay. Uh, actually, there's, yeah, eight points that separate one, two, and three. So mm-hmm. the winner was almost there. There's been trials and tribulations. You know I've had my share. But I've climbed a mountain, I've crossed a river, and I'm almost there. points ahead of Friends on the Other Side, eight yep. points ahead of Mabel Evangeline. Mm, three really strong top top three, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really good. And on any day, particular day, it could go either way, I think. Yeah, it really could. So that puts almost there in slot 19 in the overall tally. Yeah, unfortunately not in our top 10, but not far out of it either. No, actually, technically it is spot, what is that sitting? 17, because we've got we have a three songs sitting on 48 being. Oh, okay. It shares the same score as Prince Ali from Aladdin mm-hmm. and I Just Can't Wait to Be King from The Lion King. Oh, th- those are two really good songs as well. So certainly up in uh, in good company there. Yes, it is. Okay, well, that's uh, that's The Princess and the Frog from 2009. We'll be back in two weeks for Tangled from 2010 or 2011. Ooh. 2010. Yeah, so quick turnaround between the two. Mm. Have you seen it before? I have seen Tangle before and I really like it. I'm, I haven't watched it in a while, so I'm looking forward to revisiting it to see if it holds up. But uh, I, I do remember really liking it. Finn Rider, so I think, is one of my favourite. Finn Rider, I think, is one of my favourite like love interest characters. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we, we'll, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. I'm Stackers. And I'm Will. Bye. Bye. Powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.